Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Last week, we finally started our long-awaited topic on time. And this week, we are going to continue that conversation. It's a very, very broad topic. So today, we're going to narrow it down and touch on a few key topics so that we don't get too lost in the weeds. Cam, what are we talking about today? So... It's our, um, you know, the thing that we do is that we'll do a topic, we'll talk about something, and then when the podcast launches, you, after listening to it and doing the program notes, you come up with the title. And I'm always like, it's almost like Christmas morning when I wake (laughs) up Monday morning and it's like, oh, what, what did Shelly call it today? You know? And that's fun, but I'm actually going to go ahead and name the title. I got the title because, because I do, because it just came to me, you know, like in a vision. So here's the title. Ready, people? Time, Transitions, and Hyperfocus, Part One. Part One. Dun, dun, yeah, dun. Part one. So as we look at time, you know, a lot of people are interested in this whole concept of hyperfocus. I think that we're going to move in the direction of hyperfocus and, and dig deep there soon. But as we look at time, as we look at, again, back to the universal question that we've been playing around with, which is, uh, why do I not do what I know I ought to do? Look at that. Isn't it? Do you see how it's flowing off the, the, the tongue there? Shelly, yeah, it's just, it's fl- I got it. I, I, did, I didn't have it a couple of weeks ago, but now it's, I got it. You've had it for a few episodes now, Cam. I, I feel know. like I'm losing my role. I'm not the question <laughs> repeater anymore here. <laughs> what do you need me for? <laughs> what? Oh, uh, I need you. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> let me count the ways. As we look at that, we want to look at this whole concept of transitions. So, you know, and, and back to this. When you look in the DSM-5, you look about look at how ADHD is, is uh, characterized, the characteristics of it, the symptoms, you don't see a lot about two things in particular. One is overwhelm, that um, my clients, they will explain or describe a phenomenon of where uh, they just go offline and the experience is in a sense of an overwhelmed state. I think that when you were relaying about your uh, getting to your networking event and then coming back and trying to find your parking spot, right? That's that uh, part of that panic was in response to a uh, overwhelmed state, right? Over, overstimulated. And then kind of it, it trips that prefrontal cortex offline and we get into a state of overwhelm. So that's one concept. And that, again, it's going to be one of our topics for the podcast coming up. The other is transitions. Uh, you don't see anything in the DSM about transitioning, transitioning from one task to another, transitioning from one mode to another. But this is a, uh, a challenge that many of my clients talk about is being able to effectively transition in their day from one event to another, from one task to another. And um, you can see how that would create time problems, right? time challenges. So I think that a good deep dive into transitions and, and what's going on there 
will be really helpful and, and help us set up for um, more discussion around time and then lead into eventually hyper-focus, which I know people are interested in. How's that sound? Sounds good. And yeah, we kind of touched on this in a sideways way last week as we were both talking about how we structure our days as relates to how we book our clients, right? For me, I like to group my clients close together and leave larger periods of time so that I don't have to transition as often. Whereas Cam uses client appointments like an anchor with smaller periods of time between because for him, it doesn't feel like a transition to take that hour between and work on his business in some other way, right? So those are both sort of strategies or coping mechanisms that we've come up with different for each one of us that aid in the pain of transition and make the number of transitions we have to go through in a day less. And I like that term, uh, the pain of transition, because I think, I think it can be sort of a similar to the, a physical pain to you're doing something, you're enjoying it. You may be in hyper-focus, you may not, but Having to shift gears, having to stop transition out of that activity, that conversation, that event, and to pivot and shift and transition into something else uh, can be really tough. And we can find ourselves spinning our wheels in between those events, right? Those, uh, whether it's again, an appointment something on your to-do list that you've put in your calendar. Right? So again, we're going to dig into transitions and, and what makes them so challenging. And of course, you know, we want to talk about, well, what can you do about it? Yeah. This is a scenario that I've seen over and over again with my clients, just to kind of illustrate what we mean by transitions, is that of social events. Over and over again, it's this scenario of, I'm always glad I went when I actually go. Uh, yeah. And I know that I'm a social creature. I want to be around my friends. I want to spend time with my family. But activating for that and going through the pain of transition can often become a barrier unto itself. Right? Getting ready for the party can feel insurmountable. But I know I'm going to be glad if I went. I know I'm going to be glad if I get to work on time, but that transition, it's like walking through mud. Great examples. So let's, let's dig in. I want to start with, I think that we've talked about this before, that people with ADHD, what I've seen, again, in my experience of working with individuals is they tend to fall into two camps. There's the, those who are comfortable with planning. Just call them the planners, preppers. And so comfortable that it's a real struggle to get actually out of that planning phase into the actual activity that you're planning for. See also Shelly, the professional organizer in a previous <laughs> life. <laughs> well, and you said, again, that perfectionism comes into play there, right? You just have to get it to a certain point before I can proceed into the actual activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I refer to this as sort of like uh, nesting, right? 
you know, as a, as a bird builds their nest and they're kind of nesting or a dog that is sort of uh, circling in their bed before they lay down, you know, you'll just circle a couple times. Well, they'll circle a couple times and plop down. But imagine just kind of, you know, continuing to get the bed ready and not actually making that transition into the actual event of, okay, I'm done. There's a, and I think there's also, a, it's a stimulating element there of a couple of things. It's the difficulty of, you said it, activating, right? Of actually activating into the task, number one. There can be a stimulating effect to just kind of tweaking it. And there also can be this avoidance, right? Of just kind of, it's a lot safer to stay in planning, right? Um, there's no failure if you don't start, right? That's at least the thinking. Yeah. And I want to say more about your second point, the stimulation, because I see this so often with my ADHD clients. The planning is problem solving and it's creative and it can be really fun, right? So that engages our brain in ways that we like and it engages our reward centers. So we're getting the feeling of accomplishment even though we're the dog spinning the circle. And there's a fourth point I want to bring up here, which is that of process, right? And how with ADHD on board, it is hard to envision process. So oftentimes, you know, we have our blocks of time on the calendar, our places we need to be and our things we need to do. We're not considering the transition and all of the steps involved. Right. That's related to back to our metaphor around cause and effect in episodes 10 and 11 is that cause and effect is a process. And so there's something going on with process here. Transition is very much of a process rich happening. Just going to state it as that for now. Yeah. And I'm going to zoom out for just one second before we continue to dive deep on transitions and say this too. When it comes to ADHD and time management, it's really important to distinguish what is actually time-related or process-related, right? Which is kind of what we're talking about in these episodes, ADHD and our relationship to time, ADHD and our struggles with process, sort of the functional things that we think of as quote-unquote time management. And what is something else at the lunch counter or at the top of Mount Rainier, right? If the universal ADHD question is, why do I not do what I know I ought to do? We also have to remember that there's way more at play here than quote unquote time management. And we're likely going to do an entire episode on that. But I do want to point out the distinguishing between the things we talked about in the last few episodes, right? Cause and effect, and understanding how your ADHD manifests and how that might be impacting your ability to get things done versus time and how ADHD affects time specifically. Absolutely. That's a super important distinction. We can go to this place of, oh, well, I struggle with time. My issue is with time. And so then in a way we remove ourselves 
we remove our ADHD brain and considering that. And it's this sort of thing that, well, it's the environment or it's these people or it's time. And my issue is with this. And so therefore, what I need, oh, what do I need? I need a tool to help with time. Yeah. Right. We fall into that folly of if I find the right tool. Right. Almost every client I've ever had comes to me starting there or thinking we're going to start there, right? If I just have a system, everything else will fall into place. Right. So let's dig in here. Oh, and and by the way, so back to the Nestor planner, right? There's, we didn't finish that one. Uh, there's the Nestor planner kind of the, the person who is comfortable in the prepping, the planning, the sort of the state in, in this mode before action. And then there's also the other type of individual I see with ADHD is, you know, forget the plan. I'm not, you know, don't, I'm not a planner, right? You might be sitting here all along like, uh, that doesn't, that's not me. That's not me. Well, we haven't forgotten about you, okay? And you're the non-planner, right? You're the doer. You're the engager. You're in there. You want to be active. And it's like, to heck with the, the prep and the, the thinking and the planning. It's, let's be in action. And so, again, it's, it's two modes that we will tend to prefer, uh, one or the other. And we can... As you said, there was a third, Shelley, where and you describe this as yourself, is you'll kind of, depending on the situation, you'll be doing more planning or you'll be kind of in the other mode of more action, less planning. Is yeah, that right? Absolutely. Certainly the planner is in there. Again, see also Shelley, the professional organizer, right? But there are times when I can find myself thriving on do, do, do. Just do the next thing. And that that's dangerous road. They're both dangerous roads, right? One kind of keeps us in inaction or pre-action, right? And the other keeps us in reaction. Right. In that reactive state, and we tend to be master responders. Right. So it's the we can the the do do doer can be if they're not tapping into the planning at all or that strategic piece, they can have a hard time distinguishing Q1 and Q3, right? Just fighting fires. And remember, Q1 is important and urgent, but Q3 is urgent and not important, right? So it's that email that comes across the transom that someone else is like, hey, can you do this real quick? And <clears throat> and they might know they might know that about you. It's like, oh, you know, Bob, you know, if I just like, you know, make it a little exciting and, and he'll get right back to me. Right, if I package it in a certain way. I don't want to say definitively that inattentives tend to be the planners, but I will say that inattentives tend to not have enough energy, right? They don't have enough energy, so their challenge, again, back to causation, right? And that the Rubik's Cube up on the top of the Mount Rainier, they don't have enough to activate. So they need a good starter. They need a good process in transitioning into activities. The impulsive hyperactive, right? If you're talking about our two types, and again, there's a combined type too that includes both. But the impulsive hyperactive, they tend to have too much energy, right? Remember that ADHD is about regulation. 
And one of those areas was around energy. So you can have too little or you can have too much. And this is when um, Hollowell talks about, you know, it's, about, it's like a race car with bicycle brakes. Right. And their issue is tapping the brakes and they tend to prefer that kind of engaged, right? Being active, doing and, and not put a lot of credence into planning. For me, I'm an inattentive and my experience was around trying to get into action. That was my dilemma with ADHD and, and still is. I mean, it's, I still have it. It's, it's gotten much better, but it's around finding that, that starter, right? That activator to get into task. And there was a proverb that really spoke to me that kind of speaks to both situations. And, and that is, a plan without action is a daydream. Action without a plan is a nightmare. Yeah. And that, I just, that, someone told that to me back about 20 years ago. I just saw it or they told me and it was like, wow. Right. And for me, it was the, I, I would kind of plan and remember back, I talked about my challenges around completion and my conversations with my wife and right my realization my awareness that I wasn't completing but part of that completion was not getting into the activity that really mattered I would plan or I would avoid right and we'd go off and because couldn't get find that activation switch to get into the actual task that is at the top of my list Shelly then I would do these other behaviors yeah. This is, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I'm actually having a brand new awareness right here live on the podcast. So when I was diagnosed, the psychiatrist that diagnosed me did not diagnose me with the type. And up until right now would have told you that I was also inattentive because I don't consider myself classically hyperactive. But framing it in this conversation... I think I might be a combined type because I have experienced regularly both of those states. Whether I'm the planner or the doer seems to kind of depend on whether I'm leaning more inattentive or whether it's a high energy situation and therefore I'm high energy and I'm leaning more hyperactive. So, hmm, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm literally articulating this out loud immediately after realizing it myself so and it might have something to do with the fact that you're a dual processor too yeah but that's for another time listeners yes that's a whole that's a whole nother that's a whole nother sidebar that uh, we don't have time for today <laughs> because it is time for us cam to transition into talking about transitions right so i want to break this down into two areas because I think that often people will get kind of focused in, in one of these and not consider the two together. One is the perception of time and sort of like it's environmental, right? As you were saying before, how transitions are a part of any day and especially modern living. Back in the day, I'm just, you know, go back in the day, uh, the Cooper, <laughs> you know, the, the Cooper is the guy who built the, the um the barrels for everything you know you go to old williamsburg you know and there's a guy playing a role of the cooper 
right? And he's making barrels, right? And that's what he did. He made barrels. Um, there's the blacksmith. There's the, again, we had our trade and we did that and life was simpler. I'm not saying it was easier. I'm just saying it was, it was simpler. Now we've got so many moving parts. We've got lots of expectations and obligations. Oh, and those bills we've got to pay, right? That we've got to shift our attention, transition to, and, and rotate through all these different things that we've got to do over the month, over the year, and through a given day. And just think about as you go, you know, start your day and wake up, roll out of bed. And let's just say you get, get on the treadmill or the, the rowing machine, get some exercise in, shower, eat, get the kids ready for school, roll out, you know, get into work, multiple transitions that are occurring there. Right. So that's that environmental piece. We're going to come back to that. Right. There's that one piece where I want to start or get back into is the transitions that are happening. Again, what, what we were talking about in the sense of the, the, the mode that we prefer. Right. And I, I liken ADHD to a transmission challenge. Right. When I say transmission, don't mean communication. I mean the transmission in your car. We prefer either neutral or we prefer fifth gear. We don't have a second gear, or at least that's not my experience. Right? We like to be kind of, and there's a, so it's an inertia thing. Right? We tend to be kind of standing still and in all everything that, that goes along with that. And then said like planning and, and nesting, or we are full in, fully lit up. And that's where this whole hyper-focus element comes into play, right? That fifth gear where we're just launched and we're going hard and going strong, right? So that, you know, a rocket car goes straight, it goes fast, and it, it doesn't turn well. Transitions are all about pivots, you know, adjusting speed and, and, and turning in a different direction. And so... Listener, the thing to consider here is, is to think about what's your preferred mode. Are you more of the thinker, planner, reflecting in that mode, right? Or are you more of the, the active doer? Or are you like Shelly where you're kind of can enjoy both, right? <laughs> Looking at Shelly, like, maybe not totally enjoy it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if enjoy is the first word that I would go to. If and when we ever get into processing styles, I can certainly discuss the the blessing and curse of sort of having access to both. And I would say the same is true here, right? Right. It looks pretty good from my side as a consistent guy that, that that's in neutral, right? My I'm the one that's sort of I'm in neutral and it's like trying to get into first gear, trying to get into second gear. And, you know, again, my challenge is around activation of moving out of, uh, again, sort of this sitting state into an active state, right? So there's that, first of all, identifying where you fit in, which is your mode, and then also looking at what's particularly difficult about transitioning right of getting into to action you can you can say well cam just give me my fifth gear just, just, just let me have my hyper focus and leave me alone 
And that's fine. You know, a lot of my clients will say, you're not going to take my hyperfocus away from me, are you? Right? Like, and I'm like, no, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to take away what works. Uh, but if we can add a second gear, can we add a way to, to diversify motivators? Because hyperfocus, it's a motivator, right? It's a fuel that allows us to get things done. So, yeah, we're not going to take that away, but can we add to that in some way? And I think that that's the opportunity for going forward to continue with this topic, right, is how do you do that? Yeah, Cam, you know, I, I like this notion of neutral and fifth gear. I learned how to drive. My first car was a manual transmission. Another Cam and I were just discussing our sort of outdated <laughs> metaphors. And yeah. I'm even a millennial. I'm on the old side of millennials, but I'm an old millennial. And uh, stick I shift. Yes. Yeah. Stick shift. Yeah. You're an old millennial. Yeah, I learned how to drive on a, on a manual transmission because that was my first car. And I don't even know if our younger listeners can relate to this, but it is basically impossible unless you are parked going downhill to go from neutral to fifth gear, right? You can go from neutral to second, maybe you can kind of skip first. I think maybe in, in my first car, I could even go from neutral to third, right? right. And start from third. It's not a easy start. It's a little jerky, but it can happen, but you cannot start in fifth gear. And so when we're either living in one state or the other, or we're just going back and forth by skipping the gears, we're missing everything in the middle, which is what Cam is talking about when he talks about adding gears. Because the same is true for going from fifth to neutral. That's, that's, that's not good either, right? When we access the middle, that's when we go from hyper-focus as this enigma mystery superpower that only comes along when it feels like it to a more intentional state of ramping up for focus. Yeah. And, and I think that we talked about in, in one of our earliest podcast episodes, we talked about readiness for change and every change model that is out there. Um, and I'm thinking of Prochaska's model is, is one that I base my own models on. Uh, Prochaska, we'll put it in the program notes, that you need to have a balance of some awareness mode and kind of neutral mode and thinking and planning, reflecting, and some engagement or activity mode, right? That that's how change happens is that we get in, get active, and then we pause reflect on what happened, that experience, and then adjust going forward. And I think that, again, sort of what's resonating with so many of our listeners is how we're illustrating the ADHD experience. And this is one way that you're just not going to see in the DSM about how ADHD shows up for us, right? Is this, we're either kind of way into this awareness state or kind of thinking, but we're stalled out, right? The scenery's not changing. We're not doing, or we're really having a hard time getting started. Or we get in and it's either too short or too long, right? Because that's the other thing. When you light that, you know, the end of that rocket or get into fifth gear, it's like, hang on, <laughs> you know, use it or lose it. And 
you hear about people like they're just going to go until the fuel's used up. Well, then it's two o'clock in the morning and it's like, whoa, what just happened? Right. Where am I now? And so what we're going to do is talk about how to start to develop in addition to that fifth gear, in addition to that awesome fuel. We're going to talk about flow state. We're also going to talk about how to pivot a little bit easier, right? Between these two states, how to develop a better activation ritual or process because they're there, right? Going back to the day, you know, just here's an exercise to consider is really be cognizant or bring your keen observer to your day just to notice the number of transitions that occur. And here's another mistake people make is they're thinking there's one transition between events. There's actually two, right? There's the transition out of an event and then the transition into the next. So if you imagine, just imagine this is that we see our day in kind of cubes, like our nice, neat cubes. I've got a doctor's appointment. I've got clients. I've got a haircut. I meet my mom for dinner. Right? It's a nice little cube of time and we line them up and it looks awesome. It looks great. The fascinating thing about transitions is we don't, we don't, either we don't see or we don't appreciate the times between these cubes. And those you can represent as ramps, right? The prep up, the transition up is a ramp up to the event, right? Of getting out the clothes, brushing the teeth, taking the shower, eating the breakfast, all those transitions to get out of the house, excuse me, all that preparation to get out of the house. After a meeting, you know, many of my clients work with me with respect to follow up and follow through. Where does that live? Follow up and follow through lives in the down ramp. It lives in that transition period after the event, after the meeting. After all the excitement and fun just occurred, right? It's like, what are we doing? Yeah, we got this, this. And then it's like, what's that follow-up? Communicating who's doing what, and then actually doing that stuff, right? Mapping that out. That's that follow-up. That's that follow-through piece that lives in the down ramp. So starting to see and appreciate the down ramps and up ramps that are in your day because they're there. And when you start to make time for them, so last week we talked about one of my clients in that white space in their calendar and kind of appreciating time and how time shows up and really, you know, kind of protecting this white space for their own work because they couldn't do that important Q2 stuff during their meetings, right? They had to protect time. Same thing here is that, okay, you've got your appointments, you've got your engagements and all these activities, but to consider the transitioning that happens before and after. And as you do that, then you might start to find that second gear. And it's not going to be pretty, right? When I started to learn uh, driving back in the day, uh, you know, you're going to grind it into second gear sometimes, right? Forget to put the clutch in. (laughs) Well, you may grind those gears a little bit, but Finding that second can get you out of that kind of, you were talking about that feeling like you're in that mud, right? And not able to move 
finding and developing a second gear is a great little motivator diversifier. And you don't have to give up who you are. We talked about sense of self last week. Don't have to give up that prime motivator of hyper-focus and lighting that candle, as I like to say, or getting into fifth gear, but just developing a second gear along with that. Wow. You can, you can make some things happen with that. Absolutely. So earlier in the episode, I sort of alluded to what we were going to talk about next week, but I think I'm going to back off that a little bit. Not that we're not going to get there. I'm super jazzed about that topic and I definitely want to delve into it. But I think first, and Cam, you tell me if you agree, sort of continuing this conversation around transitions and looking at those four areas that we named right? And how those sort of play into the difficulty in finding second gear. So we said environment, we said process. And I'm going to be honest and say that I don't remember the other two. But they were good. And they're worth exploring. Well, one is mental, mental or cognitive mode or state. Right? It's sort of what's happening between the ears. And going back to what you were saying about, you know, what's your challenge? Is it time management? Is it a time challenge? Or is it an ADHD challenge? And it can often get lost when we're looking outside to the world. It's like, oh, you know, my problem is environmental. And okay, quick little cam rant is that there's a body of work out there that's like, just change your environment and everything will be good. Well, yes, environment is a part of it. It's a part, but it's not the whole picture. But we got three, and I'm sure we can like tack on something to get that fourth, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we said it earlier, and that might just have to be good enough. But I think that's an interesting place to start because certainly in my work, I do a lot of work in time management, both for neurotypical populations and for ADHD populations. And with neurotypical populations, it's all in the functional, right? It's all in the, what am I not seeing? I sort of need somebody to step outside of the box and notice the gaps or the functional challenges or what's missing. Right. And the thing is, is that those things matter with ADHD too, right? So I feel like delving into these four areas will start to highlight how some of the more functional things like environment can impact as well as how having ADHD on board and your mental state and whether you're a planner or a doer can also impact. So it's not that they're separate. It's not that it's either a functional time management challenge or an ADHD challenge. It's taking both pieces into consideration. Like it. Awesome. So if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen. We love your feedback. You can send it to us via the website, translatingadhd.com, or via Twitter, at translatingadhd. And until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening.